Do you feel stuck in your life, career, or business? And are you ready to take things to the next level? If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is David Trotter, and I'm a transformation coach passionate about helping people just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals. My superpower is helping people experience tremendous breakthroughs in a short period of time. If you give me 12 weeks, I'll help you launch that new project, go after that better job, or overcome that challenge in your business. To find out how I can help you, head on over to insporising.com slash coach. That's insporising.com slash coach. Is really your wealth and your financial abundance is not attached to how much money you make. It's that attached to what you do with your money after you make it. Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter, and I'm a business growth consultant. I'm passionate about helping business owners just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals, all without the paralyzing overwhelm, feeling all alone, or wondering what the heck to do next. I'm a former pastor and a serial entrepreneur who's passionate about personal growth because that's what's helped me cultivate peace in my life and empowered me to love my amazing wife, Laura, of 26 years and our two almost grown kids. So if you're all about business, personal growth, and peace in your life, you're in the right place. I'm super glad that you're here. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Inspiration Rising. It is great to have you with me. Question for you, no matter how much money your partner makes, no matter how much they make, Do you play a financial role in your household? Do you generate income? Do you handle or manage the finances? Do you somehow invest the finances in order to increase wealth in your household? Are you involved in some form or fashion in the finances in your house? That's my question. Yeah. If you're not, do you think that managing or generating income or generating wealth could actually make you feel more empowered as a woman. Do you believe that? Or do you think, nah, I don't need to know what's going on in our finances. It's all good. We got plenty of money. They'll, they'll, they'll take care of me. It's all, it's all good. Hmm. I don't know about that. And I'm just going to say that my wife is a very empowered woman when it comes to money. Yeah, she is. And the more women that I have the privilege of consulting and coaching as they start and grow their businesses, one of the greatest reasons why they want to start a business is because they want to be empowered when it comes to money. Yes, they want to make a difference in the world, but they also don't want to simply rely on their partner to provide all of the income in the household. Because many of the women that I'm working with, they don't necessarily have a job, they're starting this business because they want to be empowered, not only to make a difference in the world, but as I said, to generate income. And as they do, their eyes get open to this feeling of just, oh, yes, I am doing something that's generating income. Now, if you're not, if you're a stay-at-home mom, don't, no, come on now, don't be getting offended just because I'm saying one thing. Uh, Nope, nope. uh, this, I'm telling you, this is a powerful subject. 
And the woman that I interviewed today, Christina Wise, she's the founder of Sovereignty Academy. It's like a money school that you always needed to go to, but you never got when you were going to school, right? Many of us didn't get taught about what it means to generate and manage money. In this episode, she shares her story of falling for money and having a lifetime love affair with her finances. Yeah! Not only does she describe what it means to be wealthy, W-E-A-L-T-H-Y, but also wealthy, W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. Christina is an amazing woman, and she is going to inspire you to want to be empowered as a woman when it comes to your finances. So, oh, sit back, grab a notepad, open up your notes app, whatever it might be. She is going to drop some serious wisdom on you during this conversation. She's an amazing person. All right. So if you find that this episode was helpful, inspiring, educating, not only do I encourage you to go check out her websites, which we talk about, it's in the show notes, of course, but spread the word, spread the word, tell people, hey, listen to this episode. This gal, Christina, she's doing some amazing things. I really got a lot out of this. All right. Spread the word, tell people to open up their uh, favorite podcast app, search for Inspiration Rising, click subscribe, and spread the word. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Hey, let's jump into this conversation with Christina Wise. Well, Christina, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Well, um, today, uh, we specifically want to hone in on this concept of money and um, I think one of the things that our listeners are really, you know, kind of oftentimes wrestling with is that mindset around money, thoughts around money based on our own home of origin, our upbringing, maybe even the cultural pressures that we have to keep up with other people around us. Um, You know, there's just so many messages around money. I grew up um, in a kind of a church environment where money was seen as kind of like uh, people that have a lot of money. Uh, I don't know if you could trust those people. Um, they love money too much. You seem like you're in love with money. In fact, you wrote a whole book about falling in love with money. It's called Falling for Money, How to Have a Lifetime Love Affair with Your Finances. Man, Jesus does not like that. You are just going down a bad road. Uh, kidding, of course. Um, take me to your upbringing. How did you grow up thinking about money as a kid? Did you get allowance? Did you have a lot of money? Did you Were you guys scraping by? Give us a background. Yeah, well, I mean, my my money story created in a trailer home, so there were there was not money, and it was powdered milk and and you know whatever my parents could do to survive, and it wasn't even a double wide. I mean, there was a travel trailer size home, so that that's where it began. And as you can imagine, the limiting beliefs, what you know, kids seeing here and just having that upbringing for quite some time. It's certainly, I mean, we're all developed by those, those life experiences, especially as children. And I'd say the good side that came out of that, you know, a lot of trauma, a lot of negative negativity and some bad things. But the good that came out of that experience was that I really learned to become entrepreneurial because there was no money and money was not safe to be talked about. It was the origin of most of the conflict where the conflict in the small, you know, aluminum walls wasn't too, I mean, it was pretty ugly to experience as a child many times. 
But that caused me to want to get out and, and learn how to have this thing or to create this thing. So from a young kid, from a young age, I was very entrepreneurial and learned that actually making money is pretty easy. And that, it, you know, with some creativity and some hard work, some hustle, these different elements, a good story, a good pitch, you know, whatever the case is, that that money just just money was easy to make. So I was able to really start developing my own path and put myself through college and, you know, just learn some of these nuances with money that allowed me to be a creator of it from a very young age. So even though it started with a lot of negativity, it didn't turn positive, which created a mindset that I find that many people, you know, we, we sit in these different mindset camps and some people have the mindset that money's hard or money's hard to make, or, you know, matter what I do, there's a ceiling. So that's one mindset that can keep us from making enough. You know, my mindset in that case was money's easy to make, you know, so, you know, just, and that was just the mindset because I started doing that at a young age, my mindset though, that, really caused me a lot of problems for many years until I realized I bumped up against this one is that it's hard to keep. Like I didn't deserve it. I was a poor kid, you know, it's subconscious in this kind of subconscious realm of how I related to it. So even though I was great at making it, I was terrible at keeping it and I'd have a lot of money, be broke, have a lot of money, be broke, have a lot of money, be broke. And I was in that cycle and pattern for a long time. So wherever we see ourselves in these patterns, where at the end of the day, they're not serving us the way we would like, it's time to kind of look underneath what's going on and look at those childhood memories, beliefs, um, uh, just the behaviors that we've adopted, you know, we've adopted and from our parents into our adulthood. Man, when you said uh, money's just so easy to make, money's so easy to make, like you said it a couple of times, I, I, inside I was like, whoa, I want to hang out with her. Like it's easy to make, you know? And so you had that mindset because like, what kind of businesses were you creating as a kid? Was it the lemonade stand? Were you selling? Like, what were you doing? Yeah, I would do a little bit of anything, but I would, you know, I went to my neighbor, for example, who had apricot, like this apricot orchard. And I just noticed that all these apricots were just on the ground. And I thought, I asked him, I said, can I pick up your apricots or bring some friends over? And so I created this little mini business where I paid people, you know, 10 cents an hour, whatever it was at the time to help pick up all these apricots. And then somehow I get myself to the local swap meet and sell them on the back of a truck. And all of a sudden I'd have $50 in my pocket. That was a lot of money as a 10 or 12 year old kid, you know? So it's things like that. Like, and so when I say money's easy to make, it's, you know, when we're in this kind of construct of you go to, you go to work, you get a job, you wake, work eight hours, you just hustle through this business and try to, you know, yeah, I mean, we all work hard. That's kind of a prerequisite in a way. You can't just sit back and, you know, wait for money to fall in our laps. But money is attached to our creativity. Money is attached to our ambition. Money is attached to our ability to help other people and make an impact and be able to speak it in a way that we help others. And what we get is the byproduct back in that reciprocal spiritual, you know, um, just kind of the spiritual laws of reciprocity in a way is when we give out huge value and when we create and we help make good impact on other people's lives, which is what everybody listening is doing. When we know the value and worth of that, and we ask for the, you know, to come back in the form of money, again, it's just an exchange of value, but there's no shortage of creativity. But I think underneath that becomes the mindset piece is if we think money's hard to make, or we think we don't deserve it, or if we think money's a bad thing, or if money's the root of all evil, 
all those really deep embedded subconscious mindsets and beliefs will self-sabotage our abilities to, you know, so when I say fall in love with your money, I mean it in a healthy, kind, compassionate way that money and the good of good people can do a lot of good, you know, so money can be in the good in the hands of good people. Money can be in the hands of bad people. Wouldn't we like it to be in the hands of everyone listening where we're all going to do really good things with good money that's earned in good ways. So when I say it's easy to make it's because it's really attached to a love of making it a love of creating it, a love of discovering ways to, you know, to add value or just new ideas. And, and there's, there's, there it's, in, it's, I mean, it's infinite, the number of ideas and possibilities and ways to make money here and there. It doesn't mean like has to be, how do I go to 50,000 to a hundred thousand? It can just be a little side thing that all of a sudden, you know, you have a bunch of extra money in your, your pocket that month. And I'm always creating a new idea to, to, you know, have a few extra dollars that pop in and all those few extra dollars in the aggregate can add up to a lot of money, but we have to really get out of this construct and conventional wisdom of the way money's earned. You go work hard, you get a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Did you have this mindset around money up until 2013? I know you were a successful real estate agent, you know, even prior to 2013, when you had this health crisis. So like, maybe take us up to, did you have that mindset prior to 2013? What happened in 2013? And how did that, if it did shift your mindset on money? I've had, I've had two, let's say two pretty, pretty significant, I'd say life crises where I kind of hit that existential despair button or place. And the first one was when I got divorced. And since I, I've always been a good earner right after college, I got into to real estate really. And I became a very high income earner because hard work was good at my job. And, you know, with real estate, there's no real ceiling to income. And I'm just like, I'm going to go like, I'm going to go do this thing. And I was really, I was, you know, top in my city every single year, year over year for, at a young age. And again, just kind of, so just love, love making money and love making a lot of it. But what I didn't understand at the time is that there's making money and there's keeping money, like I said. And, and so what I did, and this is some of the financial principles that I teach now is really your wealth and your financial abundance is not attached to how much money you make. It's that attached to what you do with your money after you make it. So when we make high incomes or high income earners and we spend all that money on these very lavish, luxurious, expensive lifestyles so that we look good, you know, and keep up with the Joneses and we look good to all of our friends and peers and everything else. What I find found is that I had, I had leveraged my entire life with all these payments, high mortgage payments, boat payments, car payments, luxury car payments high vacation payments, but because, but because I could afford all those monthly payments with the money I was bringing in, it seemed like it worked. And I had all these toys and I had this, what appeared to be this really good lifestyle. But when we're in debt and we, we finance our lives according to the income that we make, it's a house of cards, like one little blip in the screen and that whole thing's going to come crumbling down. And that's what happened to me. I found myself divorced, single mom with two kids. It was a hundred commit, hundred percent commission business worked all the time. Now, how the hell am I going to try to make ends meet? But I found myself like all that money and all that stuff, it just disappeared overnight and now I'm a single mom. I can't feed my children. I'm borrowing money and um, friends and peers are dropping off, you know, charity to, so I can feed my children. And here I am recreating exactly the way I grew up. 
and I just hit this low point of like, oh my God, like, how did I wind up here? I made all that money. How come I'm in this situation where I can't pay my light bills? I can't, you know, my car has been taken away. I can't get my kids to school. I have no way to work. And so it's really at that turning point after I quit feeling sorry for myself and, you know, just um, <laughs> realized that there's no way out of this, but to create my way out of this, I, I became a steward of learning about money because I had this question, like, how can I make all that money and be in this, this financial you know, be in financial despair and, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars in debt and yada, yada, yada. So it was at that, that I went to study money. So I became, I mean, I became, I read every book. I joined masterminds. I joined workshops. I did, I mean, I did everything. And I actually, you know, over the years, I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to learn about this thing called business and money. So publicly I built, went on to build a big real estate, you know, kind of empire and, you know, how I was known in that space, but privately I was learning about wealth and wealth creation. And so, cause I never want to be in that position again, where I couldn't feed my children. And so that became just my, my private thing that I did and I did it well. Then in 2013, which you're referring to as I had a big health crisis, but what I'd done, and I didn't realize at the time that I'd used all my health to build my wealth. I built wealth. But now I was actually kind of on my deathbed fighting for my life because I just lived, I just worked all the time and lived this lifestyle that wasn't sustainable and it wasn't fun. I was always trying to get, make more money and have more money and have more wealth and have more ability to show off how, you know, how good I thought I was. So that was that. And then, so the mindset was there. And even now the wealth piece, because I'd learned my lesson from before, now I had assets, but now I had to use all my assets, use all my cash and all my wealth to get my health back. So now I'm back to not having any money again because I had two years of draining everything I'd built over that decade to save my life and really kind of piece my family back together and everything that came out of that kind of horrific situation. So that's where this next to answer your question is the mindset then again shifted, it pivoted again, it kind of that pivotal life moment to be that money is not everything. It's not about the money. It's not about the chase. More money doesn't bring you more happiness. Now money can bring a lot of happiness, but more money doesn't mean more happiness necessarily. So that just became that next place where I am today, where I wanted to teach this thing that's called, it's just about having a really good, healthy relationship with your money, but to understand what the money's for is to underwrite the cost of living a good life. So what is a good life? What, it, what does it look like? What does it feel like? And how much does it cost? And knowing how much money is enough today and tomorrow is part of what I just call adulthood. You know, financial savvy, money is a life skill. We're not taught in school. It's a little elusive and ambiguous, but it kind of is easy. I mean, we make money and we spend it. But beyond that, there's so many different principles and laws and mechanics and just these underlying kind of the art and science of it that really has to be learned and practiced to be able to turn out a life that's, that's what finance, it's about financial wellness. You know, when we have health wellness, when we have health wellness, we feel well, financial wellness is one of those categories where we feel well with our money. We're in a good relationship. If we don't have a good relationship with our body, you know, and that, you know, we can, we'll eat bad food. We won't take care of it. You know, all these different, some people starve it. Some people overeat with it because there's not that healthy relationship with our body. Well, the same thing applies to money. When we don't have that healthy relationship and we don't have a real understanding of how it works, we just find ourselves in a constant financial struggle. Mm. Okay, so um, you come out of 2013 
and you had uh, my understanding is uh, heavy metals, um, a heavy. I don't even know how to say it. A large concentration of heavy metals in your body, and you uh, utilize chelation and all sorts of other techniques to get yourself well. Um, and you started again in real estate, is my understanding. But you had this fresh perspective, is what I'm hearing. Um, your website is wealthy wealthy.life what how would you and it and maybe uh describe the spelling there and what do you mean by that yeah and i i I actually i left the real estate industry so i left the real estate industry and it just you know on my deathbed and coming out of that experience actually had a vision and kind of a message if you will that honestly how it how it worked out is that I did a little wager with mother you my you know what I call God but mother you and I she um, I said you know if you if you give me another chance at this I'm going to teach all these lessons that I've learned I think others need to know this I don't want others to be in this situation I've created for myself now more than once and so I'm still here and part of that wager was the business that I have now which is wealthy wealthy now real estate's a big function of this of of me as an investor and creator. So my wealth is mostly in real estate and I do teach real estate, but not real estate sales and brokerage and technology and education that was my life previously. So it's just part of my private portfolio and a big part of you know my businesses, if you will. But Wealthy Wealthy, the, that brand came out of that, that experience where money wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, is for the sake of living a wealthy life, W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. So it's wealthy, wealthy, and just to understand that we always want to work these in tandem. And when we're after, when we're chasing money, when we're keeping up with the Joneses, when we feel like we never have enough, when we're always in this moment of being dissatisfied for what we don't have versus being grateful for what we do have, when we're always comparing ourselves, when we're always paycheck to paycheck, whatever the case is, that means you know we're we're not wealthy in many aspects, at least one aspect of our life. So when we can integrate these two and they can serve each other, it's just a different relationship. And that relationship gives us so much peace of mind and just, again, just a, a, a better feel when it comes to our finances. Mm-hmm. So uh, the thought that keeps coming to me is how much is enough, right? How much is enough? And I guess that's not only how much is enough in terms of how much I'm making, but almost how much is enough in terms of what I'm keeping, how much is enough in terms of the things that I'm acquiring? I'll, uh, I'll give you a fun example. This week, I was um, at a photo shoot for one of my one-on-one business consulting clients. And um, she works with uh, very high-end wealthy women in terms of their health. Okay? And so we were at one of her clients' homes in Beverly Hills. This home was 30,000 square feet and a giant backyard that stretched beyond where you could see and her neighbors are Sylvester Stallone, Denzel Washington, uh, and the like, the rock, he lives down the street. And I'm walking through this home, Christina. I mean, I got lost in the place. It's just huge. Very, very wealthy people. Uh, and then, you know, I have, uh, in my mind, a study that came out, I think not too many years ago that said that the average person in the United States that around the number of $75,000, I don't know if you've seen that study, but around 75,000, then above that, there's not a lot more of, um, 
happiness in terms of you know financial uh, wealth or income or whatever. How much is enough? You know what I mean? Like how much is enough? Is it seventy five thousand? Is it? I mean, seventy five thousand here in Southern California is nothing uh, in terms of income. How much is enough for 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 people? How how would how do you how do you answer that question? Yeah, I love 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 that question. And when people go through my money school, that's where we start is is asking the questions: How much money is enough? I think it's a very important question to ask that we, we don't ask, and it's equally philosophical as this is practical. But philosophically, it means there can be enough number, but when we don't have enough number, the only answer is more. So ask people, how much money is enough? It's like, I don't know, but more than I have now. Right. And you make a good point, right. You make a good point. Like, is it how much money you make? Is it how much money you keep? Like, so just by asking the question actually triggers other questions, which is great. That's where we want to be. And if we don't have those answers, that should be the little flag of like, there's some work I should do here maybe. But when I talk about how much money is enough, even if it's the 30,000 square foot house, the question is, is really like, is their life meaningful? Is it happy? Is it fulfilled? Is it, are they living the life that they, that makes their life worthwhile? And so that's the first question. It's not about the money. And if they are, if their marriage is great and the relationship with their children's good and their health is good and they have good solid friendships and, you know, they're, living these life experiences that they've deemed what they want for themselves. And, you know, and they have a lot of laughter and, you know, and it's in the container of a 30,000 square foot home and everything else. Good for them. Just this 30,000 square foot house and all this quote unquote wealth. If, if it's terrible marriage or the relationship with the kids suck or the, you know, friends or, you know what I'm saying? So the money's not in there anywhere. The money comes second. So then we can determine what's for us. For some people, it might be for me to full on express life. I need the, you know, the 30,000 square foot and the private plane and all these things. And I live life and I can expand and make this impact. And imagine I can invite people around the world to my house and we can throw these things and do these masterminds and I'm helping. See that that might fit into that story. So that's, but that's that story. Now, for each of us, we need to know what that story is for us. So when we and we're, we under, need to understand that when we're working today, our younger selves are working for two selves. We're working for our current self, like our present life and lifestyle. And we're also working for our future self because that future self is not going to want to work this hard forever, nor may, may she or he be able to. So every dollar we make today is basically divided into the money we spend for ourselves today and the money that our future self is going to be grateful that the today's self took care of him or her in the future. Now, it's not a 50-50 relationship, like 50-50 split, but that's what compound interest is. And that's when we know our numbers, we can work into that. But how much money is enough is looking at what is what is a good enough life? And I don't mean status quo. You know, some people are like, well, that means status quo. I don't mean status quo, boring, like you stop when you hit your numbers. I just mean like really write down, like visualize what would be a good life that that's if that's as good as it got, or mm-hmm. is this, you know, if it's as good as it got, you'd be like, you know, this would work just fine. That's what's called good enough. And if it gets better than that, great. But it just means like, this is a good life for me. And ex- look at that. Like, 
what is it like, where do you go on vacation? Where do you live? What kind of food do you eat? You know, do you want, how much time do you want to spend with your kids or grandkids? What does that look like? And really spec it out as much as you can. And then ask your question. If I had no debt payments, if I had no mortgage payment, no credit card payments, no, um, no car payments, car payments. Thank you. How much would it cost for, to afford that lifestyle, to pay for that lifestyle? And let's just say it's a hundred thousand dollars to keep the mouth easy. So then we always start there. So the good enough for your household means we need to bring in a hundred thousand dollars, say after taxes to be able to co- cover the costs of living this good enough life. That's, that's, like the minimum, but that minimum means like, if that's as good as it got, we've got it. We've got everything we need and want, and we don't have any debt and yada, yada, yada. Now for business owners, entrepreneurs, now we go look at our business and we say, all right, this business has to generate a profit of a hundred thousand dollars plus my taxes. So let's say it's 125,000. So that means I need to profit $125,000 out of my business, which means maybe I need to make $500,000 in my business to be able to make $125 profit. Now we move that $125 over to our household, we pay our taxes, and now we have our $100,000 to live off of. So now it's not even a guessing game to how much money we need to make in our business. And that's, you know, that's the thing. I don't know if it's $75,000 or $100,000, but everybody has their own number. Now I know for myself, when I the more money that I, you know, make and have and that type of thing. I'm so, you know, a big part of my meaning and what's important to me is being healthy because I nearly died. And just the cost of what I spend on my health alone is a pretty decent number, you know, this built into my good life number, because I don't want to sacrifice or compromise anything on my health. I want to do all these crazy things like getting my IV treatment this Friday or whatever the case is. Right. So 75 might not work for me, but whatever number it is that brings joy, happiness, meaning I feel well I'm healthy I have my friends, my children, I get to do what I want and that type of thing. So that's so now we have our two good enough. So we have our household good enough and we have our business good enough that funds the household good enough. The final piece is how much is good enough, good enough. And how much good enough, good enough is, is the wealth piece. So we've only took, we've only talked about income and spending. We've made 125 from our business and we've made a hundred, we've paid a hundred, spent 125 on our lifestyle and taxes. There's no wealth in that conversation. And that's called the entrepreneurial trap or even, you know, just kind of the American trap. We spend everything we make. So there's a missing piece of the formula and that's called the wealth formula and understanding the income and wealth are different. Income is money in, money, you know, inflow, but money in, and then outflow, obviously. Wealth is on our balance sheet. That's our asset value, our net worth. And if you don't know your net worth and you don't know how much net worth is enough, that's another little flag that I have some money work to do. Because all of us are going to reach an old age that unless you have a trust fund or somebody else's money that's going to pay that $125,000 lifestyle, which you all, you're going to have to have the wealth or the assets that's going to throw off the $125,000 lifestyle to be able to pay that so that you don't lower your, your good enough. So now we have to look at over a certain period of time, how, how much money do I need an asset value that's going to throw off about a hundred, let's say a hundred thousand dollars. And that, so if we look at for every million dollars of net worth, we're looking at roughly $50,000 of income. 
just based on some pretty conventional, you know, um, numbers there, metrics. So if we need $100,000, that means we have $2 million net worth. If we have zero net worth today, then we have a $2 million net worth. So now if we're keeping a $100,000 lifestyle the same, now we need to know like over 20 years, how much more money do I need to, how much money do I need to save and invest to, to close that gap? And let's just say that it's, um, I don't know, $50,000 a year. So that means I need 150 plus the tax amount on top of that. And let's just say it's 175 to make the, you know, to make the point. Now we're going back to our business the second time and saying, okay, for me to be able to have good enough money to fund the $100,000 lifestyle today and make sure that I'm funding my future self's lifestyle of $100,000, you know, 10, 20 years from now, that means pretty consistently, I need a business plan that's going to profit me $175,000 a year. And then that becomes the business strategy. But we're back ending to these very practical numbers. It's all based on how much does it cost to live my good life that is enough for me and my family, what's important. And now we don't have to guess even our business of how much money we have to make. And so it's just very simple math and then understanding some of the other financial laws and principles and even the spiritual laws and principles of money that when we really tap into the spiritual side, which is such a beautiful place to be with your money, which is this place where you love making it and you love growing it and you love, you appreciate and have so much gratitude for what we do have as opposed to being disappointed for what we don't have. And just that gratitude and that connection with universe or God in a way that says, thank you for all of this abundance. And I'm just so grateful and the more that I have, the more good that I can do and look what we're doing. You know, just that type of, again, just gratitude and relationship and consciousness with our money combined with like the appreciation of having it, but but, but not being attached to it mm-hmm. and not being defined by it. Mm-hmm. So there's all these different elements to money that makes it so rich, you know, in a way that the more time you spend here and when you get good at it and this relationship and understand these nuances man, it just can be such a great part of life that I see that so few people really take the opportunity just to get to know and understand and get good at and have the the really good um, just experience of money as a result of doing that. Mm-hmm. So you're processing all these numbers. And in reality, the numbers that you went through are very simple. Somebody who's maybe not numbers oriented or math oriented, they're listening, they're driving in their car, they're on the treadmill, and they're going, you know, I'm just trying to make an extra hundred bucks to get my kid into dance classes. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't even know what you're talking about with a hundred grand, you know what I mean? Or an extra 25 to put toward wealth. I'm just trying to get my kid into dance class. How do you speak to that mom? Who's um, maybe she's got a part-time job. Maybe she's uh, maybe she doesn't, maybe she is, um, staying at home with her kids. She's relying on her partner to bring in the majority of that income. She maybe doesn't feel empowered to be able to generate more income because she's kind of stuck within the limits of whatever her partner's making. What would you say to her? Well, again, that, that starts with the mindset piece and the only way to change our situation is to change our situation. And to, you know, if we continue to do what we've always done, we're continuing to get what we've always got. We've heard that before. So first is to understand that that what I, I call it female financial power, that we you have to want to learn this thing, not having excuses or being afraid or I'm not good with numbers. That's just all narratives and stories that we have. 
So by embracing and wanting to get to know this topic called money better and learning it, it's amazing of how it just starts, starts transforming every part of our financial life, but there's no shortcut, meaning we can get stuck in that, hey, I need to earn a hundred bucks for the rest of our life. And just in that constant struggle, but struggle is a pattern. We don't have to struggle with money. And the struggle comes from our unhealthy relationship to money, our flawed narratives or beliefs that are more negative versus positive and our lack of knowledge of just how it works. And all of that's fixable. It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, people that have type two diabetes, they get type two diabetes because of the lifestyle and the way they eat. And, you know, many people don't know they can reverse type type two diabetes by changing their diet and exercise and a few other things. But type two diabetes in most cases is 100% reversible, but you need to learn a few things and you have to change the narrative around food and exercise and have to get rid of some excuses and, and have to, you know, just make a few changes. But when you want to do that and you learn those things, next thing you know, you type two diabetes is gone. You can be the healthiest you've ever been coming out of that. My dad is a perfect example. So money's the same way, just like, okay, I'm a little bit of a disease state with my money and we can reverse the disease state or we can stay stuck and, you know, deal with the consequences of diabetes too. But it it really is a choice. And um, I complete by saying that money's not hard. It's so not hard. It's so easy. And the math pieces you can do on your iPhone or you just plug into an online calculator. It's very simple math. I mean, middle schoolers can do it. And especially as women, sometimes we just have deeply embedded in the subconscious that we're not good at math. We're not good at numbers. Money, you know, money's something my dad did. or You know, so again, all those things are so deeply embedded. And once we do a little work to just uncover those and see what's there, it's like, I don't like that narrative anymore. I'm, I am good with math. I am good with money. I can build my wealth. I can change my situation. I will do these things. I will do what it takes. And just by changing the language, again, can change the trajectory of everything. And it's just not with money. That's, you know, in all categories of life. It's just that money's no exception. One of the things that I um, feel very, uh, I guess, empathetic about and passion about are women who feel stuck in the context of a relationship, like a marriage, where she has invested so much of her energy in the household, the kids, and so forth, and has relied upon her spouse or partner. And then let's say the relationship, you know, goes sideways. And so now she's stuck with, you know, uh, in her mind, perhaps no marketable skills. And yet she's got incredible skills because of all that she has, you know, been managing. Um, but yet there's this overwhelming feeling of what do I do now? You know, what do I do now? And, and, and a lack of empowerment, right? How, 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 um, you know, I hate to, I hate to speak words into someone's life is like, Hey, you need to be prepared just in case you get divorced because I don't, you know, I don't want that, that energy of divorce necessarily to be like, uh, like this fear or something, you know what I mean? Um, I want her to feel, uh, but I also want her to feel empowered. Right. And, and I'm not a woman, so I'm not in that situation, but yet I have heard from many women that when they started making money, even though they didn't necessarily have to have it because their spouse, you know, was providing enough just by having that sense of, um, 
creating the money through providing value, there was a incredible sense of empowerment uh, in her life. Have have you found that to be the case? How would you speak to that if someone is in that situation, right? Their, their relationship's okay, but yet she doesn't have that sense of uh, earning. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I could I could just talk on that, <laughs> I mean, you know, for for hours on end. And and I'm I this is a big passion of mine. I mean, for women to to gain the sense of the feeling of financial power and empowerment is so important. And, you know, um, but again, that's that's a almost a separate conversation. The my reply is a few different things. One, I've been there. So part of why I was in such this, you know, that situation, divorced and, you know, single mom and, and could not pay the light bills. The only thing that kept us going was peers at work and gave us charity and filled up a fridge, brought over blankets, furniture. You know, I lived in a big house and I'm in a teeny tiny one side of a crappy duplex. And, you know, my, my whole world had been ripped out from underneath me. And I'm always, I was terrified. It's on my own. I couldn't go to my parents, you know, I mean, it's completely on my own and just wondering how I got there. But part of how I ended up there was I was great at making, even I great was great at making money, but I scared to death of money. So I gave it all to who I was married to and just like have it, go do something with it. And it had nothing to do with him. I did that because I was afraid of it because I didn't think I was good with it because I thought I might do something bad with not bad, like doing something bad, but bad made me losing it somehow. But it just, I just want to go. I just had this mindset. Just, I will never be in a bad financial situation as long as I can go make more money. That was my belief. And it just wasn't true. It proved itself out, but that was belief that I'm in. So that, that was my thing is like, I need to be good at this. I can't, no matter if I'm married, divorced, whatever the situation is, I need to do this because we never know the way life is going to take us. We never can control and know what somebody else is going to do. Married to them or not, right? We'd be deaf, you know, God forbid, but like things happen. Things happen. So that was that part of my mantra is I just, I needed to learn this for me, no matter what, if I'm staying home or working or not working, or if I'm the breadwinner or not breadwinner, I knew I needed to know it. And that's what should change my life is taking ownership of, I need to know how it works. Now, the second piece to that is that is to understand too, I work with, I work with a lot of couples that, that where the husband's the primary wage earner and maybe only wage earner. But and so a lot of times where the woman who wants to stay home with the children, who's super smart and is making this decision where we work, it's like, let your husband be the income maker of the household. You be the wealth creator of the household. Now, let's talk about you take the paychecks, you manage the money in that household and you look for the places to invest this. And you you have a more important role at the end of the day when it comes to money and finance in the household because you're creating the long-term wealth. He's just providing the paycheck. you know. And so that's been a big turning point for a lot of my women and they're becoming savvy investors. And you know, a couple of my women clients are like way into crypto. They're stay-at-home moms and they're killing in the crypto market. And they're so excited about this and they're building the wealth. They're like, go, honey, go make some more money so I can create us some more wealth. And then it even becomes more of the equality, the financial equality in the marriage because financial equality has real merit. And so, 
you know, that brings, that means both partners have, you know, contributing to the household finances, like both partners are contributing to the children and both partners are contributing to the household, you know, who goes, does the groceries and who does the laundry type of thing. So when we as women can come to the table with what I call financial sovereignty, I mean, we have know-how, we have ability, we can add to this situation, financial situation for the betterment of the family in these different capacities then again, it, it, we get to own that piece. We get to stand up tall and then we're not dependent. We're not, you know, at the mercy of certain things. But again, it all stems from the desire. We as women have to step up to the desire to want to learn and know and know that we can. And money's not hard. Love that. Uh, tell me about, um, well, first of all, you have the Wealthy Wealthy podcast. So we encourage people to check that out. Uh, and we'll put all these links uh, in the show notes. Of course, you can swipe up on your phone and check those out. Now, you've got a book that's on Amazon, which we'll link to Falling for Money, How to Have a Lifetime Love Affair with Your Finances. But tell me about the Sovereignty Academy. What's that all about? And how could that help our listeners? Yeah, so, you know, if people go to fallingformoney.com, you can get a free download of that book you're referring to. And it, it's a great little easy read. It kind of talks about a little bit of my my money journey that I described and the lessons that came out of it. And, a, you know, you can read it in a, a day type thing. So good book. And it's again, it's it's a romance novel for your bank account. So it's very romantic anyway. Uh, but Sovereignty Academy is the money school I created. So when we have finally the desire that we're talking about that says, all right, it's time. I want to learn something about this money thing. I'm sick and tired of being afraid of it. I'm sick and tired of these narratives and I'm not good at it or blah, 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 or just being in a struggle or just stuck in the rut, stuck, stuck, stuck. Then I created this school for that. And the tagline, it's everything we should have learned in school about money, but they didn't offer that class. And it's everything we should have learned in school about money. And when we just learn these basics and we learn how to apply it, we build a plan and a system. It's very simple. And we break, you know, we deconstruct and rebuild these money stories and narratives and beliefs at the same time. Money can become a non-issue. It's, it, I mean, I liken it to if we go on a, you know, on a 90 day weight loss plan and you're very, you know, you're serious about it and you do all the steps, you do all the work, you follow the, you to follow the model, you know, to a T and you lose your 30 pounds and you're so ecstatic and excited, but it's, it's because the model and the plan was there to follow and you learn the things, but you did the work. So that's what the money school is. It's, it's very much the same is that you learn everything there is to need to know about money to kind of reset this financial trajectory and turn money from something that's a struggle to something that you know, creates a lot of abundance, freedom, and joy in your life. Awesome. Sovereigntyacademy.com. And I know you've got multiple classes that start throughout the year, so people can check that out. So Christina, thanks so much for sharing your story and your wisdom and you're passionate about money. I'm excited. Let's do this. All right, David. And thank you so much. And you've done so much research about me. So it always feels good on the other end when when you're asking questions and it's based on, you know, things you've discovered. So thank you. The, the questions were amazing. Hey, congrats on listening to another episode of Inspiration Rising. Why congrats? Because you're pouring education and inspiration into your mind and heart. And that's something we all need if we're going to grow our businesses and reach our goals in life. Now, if you enjoy Inspiration Rising, do us a favor, share it with a friend, Take a screenshot of your favorite episode and text it to them. Tell them to search for Inspiration Rising on their favorite podcast app and click subscribe. 
And if you haven't already, be sure to sign up for Inspo Text. That's our daily inspirational text messages. Just text me right now at 949-401-6090. That's 949-401-6090. Just say, hey, Dave, what's up? You'll get an automated reply with a link where you can add yourself as a contact. And of course, you can always unsubscribe. I want you to know today that you're inspired, empowered, and loved. Not because of the way you feel or what anyone else says about you, but because that's your true identity.